Welcome to Cosmic Brilliance, where we return for part two titled Knowing Your Soul Desired Life Path by Accessing Your Soul Records with my delightful guest, Lisa Barnett, who will also be guiding us as a special treat through a peaceful process towards the end that will integrate your female and male energies within your body no matter what sex you are. So don't worry. (laughs) This is very important to do at this time. And she will explain that in the show. Hopefully you have already listened to part one with Lisa that explained what the Akashic records are and much more as well as she provided in part one, a free 10 minute guided journey to release old outworn vows, past life contracts And important things that you're not always conscious of, but are holding you back in this life. So if you haven't looked at that, definitely take advantage of that. As a quick reminder, Lisa is an author with a new book coming out this month, I think, an Akashic record reader and teacher for 25 years and also trains people with a current training session going on as we speak in how to access your own records. And this as a reminder, is a very important self-empowering tool to receive clarity about our soul's purpose and objectives for all of us in this present life. She's also just returned from Scotland, one of my favorite places, where she was directed by the record keepers to sacred sites to do healing and balancing work to assist our precious planet, which she will also be describing in the show. There has become much more interest for people to not only access their lifetime records on Earth, but to also identify their soul origin, meaning, this is a general term, meaning the first planet that we kind of relate to as a home base, so to speak, after splitting off from Source Creator to go explore the free will universe. So this past year, Lisa has also received downloads and information around such soul homes that we refer to as Pallades, Arcturus, Sirius, Orion, Andromeda, Lyra, and others. And many of my listeners are starseeds, so you will be interested in that. So without introduction, welcome back, Lisa. I appreciate you returning to share more wisdom, and it always adds clarity to people's life journey. Thank you, Marilee. I'm really excited to be back. There's always so much to share and just kind of the the energy of the Akashic Record is, of course, expanding now for us on Earth, whereas um, a thousand years ago, they pulled the vibration away from the planet because we misused it. So now it's back. I've been anchoring it for 25 years. Lots of other people have been accessing and helping to anchor this energy because the record keepers literally asked us to help bring this wisdom back to humanity. And so it's exciting to be sharing with you right now. Oh, you're always such a bright light. <laughs> Thank you. So we're going to start off with a bang. Woo-hoo! Uh, and I'm going to have you start off by giving an example from a client that was comforted and her, her or his life improved 
through finding more about their soul's journey and through accessing the records. Mm. Let's start there. Okay. So um, over these years, I've taught thousands of people around the world to access their own Akashic records. And one of the reasons I love, love, love to do that um, is because it is so empowering. So what I often will see is someone who wants to learn to read their records because they have some challenges. They have maybe a relationship challenge and they think maybe I, I, I would like to do something outside of my nine to five job. You know, what's my purpose? And what they find is that they are so much more than they ever really imagined they were right? We have been in this, you know, hypnotic state where we believe that we're human, right? <laughs> we believe this is it, whatever body you're in. And um, so when these students or these clients come to me, often they say, you know, I, I think maybe I could be a healer and, and, and maybe bring in some new healing information and maybe even write a book, but you know, who am I to do that? And so we say, of course, let's open your records. Let's ask your Akashic record keepers. Why did you come? What did you want to do? What were your plans here? And so when they, whether they're doing it through a reading or through taking a class and learning to do it for themselves, they can start to ask their record keepers, did I come to be a healer? or?" Is there another gift or talent I, you know, wanted to bring forward to humanity? Have I ever written a book or have I ever, you know, kind of um, done any of these kind of things that they're thinking is so exotic? And then they realize that they've had you know, 20 different lifetimes where they were healers of all different kinds and that they were teachers and sharing information and and often you know writing writing books is not obviously as you know common as it is now but we would often write and teach and share our wisdom even if we were writing smaller smaller booklets or pamphlets or but really getting out there in a bigger way than we often think we are capable of as just these little people and so to me, what I've seen with so many students and so many clients is that when they can realize, and again, when we can do it ourselves, there's kind of a, a, a just even a deeper level of of awareness, right? When you go into your own records and you see those many lifetimes in which you were a healer. It really activates and integrates those lifetimes into your body, into your life now, as well as, of course, as a Akashic reader, healer, I do that for my clients. But I always say, when you can do this for yourself, it is just, wow, amazing. Like, I, I see who I was. I can feel who I was. I, I know who I was. And now I totally believe. I can do that again. Yes, that is. And I I was lucky enough to have a reading with you, which I so enjoyed. And 
what I found one of the things about what you just described is we're so um, we're still shut off from our true abilities. And uh, so we tend to think we're so much less, less capable and our insecurities arise and our confusion arises. And that's going on a lot right now. And what the, that provides for people when their record keepers tell you, oh my God, you've done this so many times. <laughs> right. Realize, instead of you being nervous about having to acquire a new skill and oh my God, and you know, the head trips around that, you realize, oh, oh, okay. This is in my bag of tricks. And all I have to do is remember it. I don't have to acquire a new skill. And, and I think that takes a lot of pressure, you know, off it. You're, right. you're like accessing more the, the multidimensionality of who you really are. Right. So thanks for sharing that. <laughs> now, I want to keep my promise because I keep my promise to my subscribers and a loyal subscriber named Maggie O. Hi, Maggie. <laughs> it wrote four questions. She's very diligent. She listened to part one. But she needs greater clarity, and I promised I would ask these four questions, and they apply to everybody. So the first one is, she said, I would like to know more about Akasha, what it is, and does it apply to everyone as a soul on a planet, regardless of where they came from? Good question. So the Akasha is really the energy. So uh, Akasha is a Sanskrit word which translates into ether or sky, right? Of course, this is us humans trying to explain what something is. So the Akashic record, Akasha, the Akashic realm, the A field, it's called a bunch of different things over time now. Um, it does apply to everyone because when your soul individuates from source and starts on a journey, that journey is recorded in this etheric energy that we refer to as the Akasha. Okay. So I think the easiest way that we can imagine it um, or the record keepers always kind of give me two two examples, one for people who are more my age and one for people who are younger. <laughs> the vintage. Right. So the vintage answer is, is that if you imagine that you start a journey and that journey is created into books, right? So as you're going on this journey and you're having these experiences, there's a theoric books that are being written about you. And so you start a library. This library is created for you. You don't have to do anything about it. It is an energetic um, aspect of your soul's journey. And so you end up with this big library with book after book after book in that kind of scenario, all about you and your lives on all sorts of worlds and dimensions or planets. And of course, here on Earth, because most of us come back here 500 or 800 or more times. 
you had to say that, didn't you? I did. <laughs> and <laughs> and you have these beautiful beings of light who have never been human. They are pure source energy. They have no judgment. I call them the Akashic record keepers. They are these beings who have um, devoted their life to us, to keeping our records so they're easier for us to find. So when I teach people to access the Akashic records, I'm literally teaching you to have a conversation with your record keepers, with these librarians, these beautiful beings of light who are in service to you. So it's totally one simple way of looking at it. I think most of us have been in a library at some point in our lives, whether we were in school or or university, whatever. There's amazing libraries. And so you imagine you've got your own. So the other thought, which I think is kind of um, a, a nice visual, if you imagine that from the moment your soul individuated from source, it had a video camera, say a GoPro, <laughs> as part of the soul aspect, as part of the human aspect or whatever plain dimension world we're living on. And so everything you do is recorded in this kind of video cam. And and then that video, just like we do now, we're we in trouble, it, right? <laughs> we upload it to the cloud and there it is. And anytime you want to say, hey, um, you know, what was I doing 10 years ago or 10 lifetimes ago? It's all in the cloud. It's all, which is all the same thing. The ether, the sky, the cloud, it's all part of source energy. It is all part of the quantum field. There is no time and space where this library exists. And so the benefit of that is that when I do a reading for a client or when I teach my students to do this for themselves, that we can move outside of time and space because it's not real and we can actually heal trauma and pain that may be you know, scaring you unconsciously from doing something or, you know, having some kind of effect on your life, whether it's a karmic pattern or or a terrible death or whatever it might be. We can go into that past life and heal that trauma and then reclaim those gifts that you may have lost that were blocked by that trauma. So having this library in the quantum field is perfect because then we can access all of that information. Beautifully said. And it makes sense because right. we're going to use that to look at and figure out what we want to do next, right? You know, when we're up there designing our next life. <laughs> right. Her her second question you more or less answered, which are where uh, are the Akashic record keepers and Akash actually located, which you said the quantum field of source creator. Yep. And how was it put into place and by whom? So I would um I would say it's just part of the source energetic creation. I do not get that it was made or built or created by anyone or anything. It's part of that universal energy of creation. Yeah. It's part of the whole plan, you know? 
Right. It's kind <laughs> right. of like source creator's brain. So, you know, well, for, right. For, right. for trillions upon trillions of children, <laughs> keep track. Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm being a little silly, but, you know. Yeah, you know. no, it's true. So, you know, it really is kind of part of the energy of creation. Okay. Now, you may or may not know anything about this. She was wondering if the historical being known as Thoth, who's also uh, written about as Hermes, had his hands in the, quote, making of the Kashuk records. Um, n- no, I don't get that he did. Um what else do I kind of have I gotten about that? Um, in the scheme of things, I get that Thoth is way more recent <laughs> than creation. And that really through all time, space continuum, there have been the, the Akash, the energy of recording of creation. And 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 I get that it's kind of a, an area Um the record keepers say it's like the information arm of source. So if you were looking at, say, our galaxy, you know how it spirals and has all these arms that spiral out. That's kind of the image they give me. It's like this big arm of the galaxy. And it, it there is no time place. It's not held in our body. I mean, I do believe that there are bone libraries that are connected to the Akashic record. I believe that there were some physical kind of energetic manifestations of the Akashic record on earth for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was in Egypt two years ago, I went into a, um, into, I don't I don't even know what you would call it because it wasn't actually a temple. Um, but when I walked in, it held all these huge, huge, huge boxes, which um, they say were like sarcophagus for bulls, which is ridiculous. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but that they're big enough to have held a bull, say. And but when I walked in, um, there were all these interesting kind of cut out spaces in the walls that looked like they would have held book kind of after book after book. Mm. And it was interesting. I went in and energetically all of that kind of information started to download. And what I found, right, as energy starts to move through you, um, it was like, my my hand was held up and it just felt like this information was downloading into my hand and I was writing in light language um, in the Akash, whatever it was, they were downloading. It was very powerful and very strong and lasted about 15 minutes as I walked through this hall. And kind of the download I got was that this space was... um, kind of this Akashic library on earth and those huge, huge stone sarcophagus um, held, I believe, things like, you know, scientific information as well as probably books or scrolls or, you know, inventions that they literally held what needed to be protected before the great flood. So this was probably from 
20,000 years ago or something like that. So this library held a lot of information. I believe then the people who created it came back, the beings of light, the yes. Yeah. came back and retrieved it because there was nothing there, but huge empty sarcophagus and holes in the wall. <laughs> so. Yeah. That's a very profound experience and very timely. And what people will learn if they don't know already is history has been cataclysms, rebuilding, bringing information out during the light periods, during the dark appearings, having to hide it. And I've already done many shows with um, key people who have are able to access and activate the space arcs and the hall of records that are being uncovered everywhere right now. So your story was perfect. And my sense is, um, and you describe the answer was perfect also because it's, it's, it's from source originally the Kashuk records and before time where Thoth is considered a god of the moon, of reckoning, of learning and writing. He was held the inventor of writing, the creator of languages, the scribe, the interpreter, the advisor of the gods, a representative sun god. So he he popped in later. We'll find out all about these characters, trust me. Right. They're going right. to be really interesting. So thank you for that, Lisa. Right. Um, and, and just so, let me just, in case people are curious, um, where that was it was it, the um it's called the seraphium um s e r a p e u m s e r a p e u m seraphium um and it is near the um the stepped pyramid so if you are in egypt and you go to that area just outside of cairo that is where those were fascinating, fascinating um, places. And I think a lot of times people kind of miss that area. Oh, that's great to know. Well, and obviously you were meant to be there (laughs) for many reasons. Great. Right. Right. So um, her last question was, I have heard so many things about this subject, but she's very honest, but I still don't understand how what we have done in our past lives is relevant to the now. Because I always thought we cannot go back in our past and change it. You Now, you and I both know we can. And as a matter of fact, people, uh, I did two shows with Isaac, the last two shows where he um, created the unity theory and describing simplistically the answer to that very question. So this is just a side note, not to get off track. So there's a method to my madness, believe it or not. And I plan shows based on building information so if you miss shows you may get a little lost in the next upcoming shows because everything is built on so that you can have a bigger picture so i really go uh advise that you go back watch those two and you will understand that the past can be changed by the quality of our presence so what would you like to add to that lisa (laughs) Absolutely. And before we embody every lifetime, we write a soul plan and it is based on what we've done, the gifts and talents we want to bring forward in this upcoming lifetime, the karmic patterns we'd like to complete, right? So the challenges we didn't finish that we still need to learn about so that we can complete that pattern. So we are looking at many of our different 
past lives and saying, oh, and I want to have a soul contract to say, you know, be in relationship with this person. And, oh, here's some of my soul family. Let's make sure we meet up again. And let's use these great gifts and talents that I've had in 10, 20, 50 other lifetimes. And, you know, so we really are basing um, our, our return to the earth on, you know, what we want to complete and what we want to share, you know, and who we want to spend time with. So we are completely going kind of into the records of who and what we've been and done um, to say, oh, now where do I want to go? Because we want to keep growing as a soul. It's all about soul growth. Right. Exactly. So we we want to fix, finish what we haven't finished. Yes, but also I would imagine that even though we have a plan, (laughs) stuff happens, right? (laughs) We may not always have to do it exactly as we planned, especially at this time, uh, because we have the free will to rewrite it. But that's easier to do once you're conscious of it in the first place. Yes. Right. Like, you know, what what you signed on for. Would would you agree with that? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So and even though, you know, we write this whole plan, you know, we write a big plan and then we come to Earth and we have amnesia and we have no clue as to what we were planning. Right. Most of us are in the dark. And so it takes us probably the first 30 or 40 years to figure things back out again. Or, you know, some of us like myself, I was born very awake. And so I started studying very young, but I don't know that that was all that useful either. So, yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. It was more traumatic. I'm like, what the heck am I doing here? Why am I back? I was mad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you shared a little bit of that in in part one. And also, I mean, one of the goals, right, is to use skills we have, but to try not to repeat repetitive patterns or tendencies that we may be the only ones having fun with. <laughs> right? Right, right. So you Absolutely. Might, you find those out by accessing the Akashic Records too. Now, one of the things is, are there any no-nos where Akashic Records cannot give you the answers ethically? Like, for instance, I would imagine... Ethically, they are not to tell you when you're going to die or how you plan to die. But um, can you answer that question for people? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's a great example. They never tell me, certainly, uh, I mean, or for cl- for my clients. They, they basically say, again, we write a plan, but then, you know, stuff happens. And we also have maybe a half a dozen or so exit points, say things go really, you know, extremely wrong. We may have a a exit point where we can bail. It may show up as a, you know, car accident where we cross or um, some sort of illness where we leave. And, And sometimes that's because we're actually done and we may have finished earlier and maybe we're ready to leave and we want to go do something else. And so that may show up through, again, illness, accident, some kind of thing like that. 
So you may have likely been sticking around until you were 90 or 100. And then at 50, you're like, you know, I kind of covered it all. I think I'm ready. I want to go on and get, you know, and go help even more. I want to help from the other side. I want to be supportive in all these other ways. And so um, there is no hard and fast, you know, this is no matter what you do to yourself, you're going to live till you're 90, you know, well, right. So we... We have human bodies. We we can misuse, you know, we can abuse them yeah. and shorten our lives. So things like that. Also, they always um, say that it's very, very important to be in integrity when you work in the Akashic Records. And what that means to the record keepers is that if you're working um, in your own records, you only ask questions about yourself. You don't ask questions about your anybody, your friends, your family, anything else. I don't get to say, is it possible that my husband's having an affair or are my kids doing drugs or, you know, it's, it's not spying, (laughs) no spying. You cannot use the records to spy. And so what happened was a thousand years ago, they pulled the energy of the Akash away from the planet because we misused and abused it. We were, you know, looking for other people's goal or, or, you know, how do I win a war? What's their plan? Right. So we really need to be very pure of heart and be in integrity when we're working in the records, or we will lose our access. Way to go. I'm for that. I'm for that. And thank you for explaining that both historically and um, for clarity. Now, people are telling me right now, uh, some people, they're telling me, I feel so confused, overwhelmed, and I feel like there's so much more. This is, I'm getting this a lot. There's so much more I'm here to do, but I feel blocked by something. I feel held back and frustrated, and I can't put my finger on it. And I'm like, well, I've got an answer for you. Get an Akashic record reading. <laughs> right, right. That can be very, very helpful. Um, absolutely. And, you know, one, learning about your soul plan, healing a lot of these kind of different patterns or blocks or energies. Sometimes just being the sovereign of our own body and our energy field can be phenomenal to help us to realign to our soul's plan, to our Akash, to our life and, you know, purposes. So, I mean, all of that is very important. Um, And the other thing the record keepers keep saying, because um, I would say, well, you know, I've been probably uh, frustrated and impatient since, you know, whatever, 2000 or or, or earlier, <laughs> even long, longer, what am I saying? Um, you know, but they always say, you know, divine timing, like the world can only change so quickly. And there are projects that many of us are on, but more people have to get on board. We have to do the foundational work. We have to clear that lower vibration. We have to, you know, come together. And in order to create the new earth, you just can't, it can't do it overnight. It just wouldn't work out very well for most of us. So 
it's a process and there's a whole lot of, you know, divine timing and souls waking up and getting on the bandwagon and coming into help. And all of those things are part of creating what we're creating. And so in the meantime, I agree. It can be very frustrating. Um, it's but, kind of like, you know, someone told me, excuse me, I didn't mean to interrupt. It's you. okay. No. Um, someone told me, um, and I love this because it was such a positive take on it. I said, I think I'm in writer's block, you know? Mm-hmm. And they said, Merrily, you're moving too fast. A lot of times writer's block is not like there's something wrong with you. A lot of times writer's block is that your guides and stuff are holding you back because what you're about ready to share will be more appropriate. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's so many ways to look at that. And your point is very well taken in that one of the big things that can happen during Akashic Record reading is the clearing of energies. Yeah. So when people feel blocked and frustrated, like I can't put my finger on it, um, you're you're clearing out old energies, dark energies, vows and things that don't serve you anymore. Right. Oh, absolutely. And it's important. I do a lot of deprogramming and really what what I've seen happen in in the last few months, you know, like uh, different projects will show up. Right. And so I end up doing quite a bit of group healing Mm -hmm. because, again, it's about collective um, groups coming together and being able to unwrite, detangle, release some of these old stories and patterns. And a lot of these are programs that have kept us locked down, thinking we're just little human muggles, you know, living a single life and, you know, dum-de-dumming along where, you know, of course, that's not true whatsoever, but um, we need to unwrite those. We need to deprogram people. We need to keep releasing it again and again and again and again. And um, yeah. and I know that, you know, if I did it once, that's not going to heal the whole planet of, you know, 7 billion people. So <laughs> it's a project I'm on. And there's lots of other people on that same project, right? Just as we had talked a little bit, and I know we're going to talk a little bit more about the divine masculine, divine feminine, right? Kind of doing work around that and rebalancing that it's, you know, it's not a, it's not a small project. It's a huge project on our planet. Which you just segue perfectly. (laughs) Of course is you like many others, like you said, and I have a fair number of friends. I, I don't know for 20, 30 years have traveled the planets to sacred sites and I used to make fun of these people, so I apologize, some of them. <laughs> I'm like, ah, get a life, you know? And they're like, they're like, they're like, no, I have to take these crystals and, and go to these points and these sacred energies to help, you know, Mother Earth. Do, 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 do. And you know what? Lo and behold, I found out they're right. So <laughs> just hate that. But anyway, speaking of. Uh, a job that is exactly you have been sent by record keepers often in guidance and angelics like you got to go here go to here so you just returned from scotland sacred sites and what specifically were you being asked to do there 
Well, you know, it was very interesting because um, I I knew that it was about balancing divine feminine and divine masculine because Scotland holds a lot of the divine masculine energy. And I know that France, all especially the south of France, holds a lot of the uh, divine feminine. So I was thinking me as the person was imagining and not that this isn't going to happen, but um, I thought I was going to maybe go to, you know, do Scotland and then next year go to France, to the south of France, because I've wanted to go for a very long time. It just doesn't show up. So I don't push it. Right. Other things show up. So I do what is, you know, show what shows up for me to do anyway. But while I was there, I realized again, and to me, you know, it, even as conscious as I am and even working in the records and having all these conversations, I think they like us often to kind of, you know, be in the mystery, to be in the fun and the joy of, you know, of travel and experience and, and, and not be a know-it-all. <laughs> you know? yeah. And so what I realized is, of course, I'm going to Scotland and I had scheduled a trip to Rosalind Chapel, which holds beautiful mm-hmm. divine feminine. And I was doing a three island tour, which one of the island is the island of Iona, which is also beautiful divine feminine. And another of, of the island is Staffa, which is is um, basalt it's a pure basalt outcropping. It's black um, octagonal uh, stones that were pushed up through the earth, which is also very masculine. So what I realized was I was actually weaving in my journeying from Edinburgh to up to Loch Ness and to different castles out to the Isle of Lewis to the beautiful Kellynish standing stones. I hugged about 60 standing stones out there, you know, just mm-hmm. activating and downloading energies, receiving some of that ancient energy and then moving it and then going on to sky to another beautiful mm-hmm. um Highland that had more, you know, divine, uh, quite a bit of divine feminine energy on sky and then into the, you know, Staffa and Iona and Rosalind. And it, it just, I just kind of see it like, like waves of masculine and feminine energies, just kind of weaving together as we go from place to place, to place, to place, to place. And, um, and it was really beautiful. I mean, the whole trip was just beautiful and all the energy was phenomenal and and um so so we'll get a little bit more into that into that but just for people's clarity here um i would like you to define or or illustrate what divine feminine is out of balance Mm-hmm. And what it is in balance, and what divine masculine looks like out of balance, and what it is in balance. Right. I actually kind of move it almost out of the divine because when it's out of balance, it becomes the feminine. Right. And when it becomes out of balance, it's just the masculine. So, out of balance, masculine and feminine energy. The feminine energy often feels a lot like um, uh, either. I mean, there's all sorts of kind of aspects. 
overly emotional, overly dramatic and traumatic um, and or feeling like I have to save the world. I have to be everybody's doormat. Um, Everyone can take advantage of me and push me around and tell me what to do. So there's like lack of any um, of their own power and empowerment. Divine feminine has a lot of power and gifts and strength. And so, um, and kind of in that same way, the, the masculine becomes really all about power and the feminine becomes more about weakness, right? So they're imbalanced that way. Our world has been, you know, masculine over feminine. Women have been downtrodden, treated terribly, imprisoned. Even if it was interesting, I was doing a reading the other day and I got, um, wife slip what did they say they they said um she has been a slave wife i was like slave wife it's like you're more of a slave than actually a wife you're not an equal you're the maid right and so that is kind of the real imbalance of women and men in relationship where women feel like they are um, not just you know taking care of the family out of love and choice and but really almost out of enslavement out of feeling like they have no choice they have no say they have no right no ability to to do whatever they maybe their heart their soul wants to do and duty and yeah and duty and so there's a lot of the um enslavement which is interesting also because um i go back sometimes back to the time, I just call it the the fall of the goddess temples, back when divine feminine was um, very empowered and loved and honored and, you know, not just worship, but really honored because women can produce people, right? We can give birth to other humans. And so the mother the crone, the wise woman, we were so honored and we were amazing healers and we had temples and we really gave and and cared for our communities and our towns, our villages, our cities even um, with our gifts. But again, it was very loved and honored. Um, And then the fall really came when the masculine moved to the power and war and um, and infiltration too. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Really taking over. And so what happened to many of the, the goddess temples, these beautiful divine temples, was you know, they were ruined, the women were murdered, raped, enslaved. Um yeah. And it was a, a very painful um fall. And so it when- even created a, a very sad energy where women um uh became jealous and and um uh, you know, women started fighting women because we were, it was about survival at that point. It's like, I want to be the, whatever, the wife or the concubine of the general. I don't want that lowly, you know, whatever guy. And so women would fight women over, you know, just. Um, yeah. And I also the feel there's been huge imbalances for the male too, you know, oh, absolutely. like, you know, they've been enslaved to work. They can't express their emotions, all this bullying and programming, hierarchical, military, you know, bullying, crazy stuff. So now how does that apply 
to what you are actually doing when you're balancing the energies. Are you removing memories of places? Because we're designed, um, maybe it'd be useful to talk about that every human carries light codes and what we're designed to do and then go from there. Sure. So, right, because we come in um, and we do carry a a lot of unconscious memory, but we carry a lot of energetic keys and light codes. Um, We have kind of bigger, often unseen or unaware of purposes that that may be um, kind of simple. There's a lot of like earth... um, uh, Earth guardians on the planet who are here and they're re-energizing many of the ley lines and the grids. And so often they're going to different places where, you know, we can energetically connect to those grids or those ley lines or um, uh, and and we don't have to do anything to kind of do that because we might have that key or that code in our body and that code, which we may not know, we may just love to go to the beach and just, you know, be in the glory of the water and the sun and the sand. And but we we almost feel that expanse of energy. We just let it flow through us and out into um, the earth and out into the water. And the same thing by going to many of these sacred sites, we are um, sharing some of these un unseen and often unconscious uh, light codes and energies that we have. So, so, you know, we can do a lot of our work without even being all that conscious of it, which is beautiful and powerful. And that was, um, I had that experience a few years ago when I went to three um, pyramids on different continents and I didn't realize I was moving codes around until I went to the second one. So I went to Egypt and the pyramids, and then I went to Chichen Itza and the Yucatan, and then I went to the Bosnian pyramids in Bosnia. And I was like, oh, interesting. So I was picking up and like <laughs> moving, you know, I'd be like, if somebody gave me a handful of keys, I'm like, okay, I'm dropping that one off at Chichen Itza. I'm taking those because we're moving energies around the planet. We're opening portals. We're opening new stargates, old stargates that have been closed for a very long time. So we're, you know, we're doing a lot of this work, but again, you come back to uh, masculine, feminine, divine, masculine, divine, feminine. Part of what we're doing is, um, yeah, energetically healing, unwriting some of the energy. I've been called quite a bit um, in this last year to places of um, war. Mm. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of wars. So even though the wars are, some of them are on the earth and some of them are like galactic wars that are connected. And so there was some of that work in Egypt and at Karnak and, you know, and with the temple. So, so um we're clearing, releasing, deleting some of the um, emotional pain and trauma also from the earth. It was, I felt very called to go to um, Culloden, which is a, 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 a site of a battle in um, yeah. Outland and just go and walk around the battle sites and just kind of honor the people who had been there and the families who had been there and um and that is healing 
So mm-hmm. when we hold the love and the light and that purity, clarity, when we can hold a higher vibration and bring that energy to, to many different places in the earth, it really allows the earth herself to clear and release and heal from some of the trauma that happened on her. Many, many, many people have these hidden gifts. And I believe we're designed as a walking antenna, right? And transducers. So all the time we have our, you know, this towards higher self source and this towards earth. And as everyone knows, we're interdependent with earth, our bodies. I look at it as our bodies belong to earth and our souls are stars. So it belong to that. So we're the integrating. Now, what I'd like you to express next uh, is why at this time is this so important? Why are we freeing the earth from her sorrow, her old history, as mm-hmm. well as us, and releasing through the ley lines, which is her electrical nervous mm-hmm. system? Why are we doing that now? <laughs> Well, one, we're actually doing it because we can finally, right? Mm-hmm. So the vibration of um, the earth, I'm going to say because of the alignment of the stars and all of that kind of bigger picture energy mm-hmm. has held us locked down in these old programs and patterns. And now as we've moved into the age of Aquarius, the new alignment to the galactic center, Earth herself is awakening. So her vibrations raising and awakening, and we will awaken with her. And so all of us humans who are conscious enough to help are out here doing what we can on the surface, <laughs> right, to make it easier. And so I had an interesting kind of... um uh, vision the other day is is that it kind of was like if you imagine that the earth had been um had a net thrown over her and it was you know um locked down to whatever that lower vibration denser vibration to me that's almost like what it looks like happened as we corralled the earth and we brought it down to the third dimension so that we could experience separation mm-hmm. so that we could experience having this unusual experience that I don't think we get anywhere else that I remember. <laughs> and so, so the earth herself has literally been um, locked down, tied down and We are now with the vibration, with the energies that are coming, with the light, with the alignment to the galactic centers and and all of that. We can now start to unwrite, delete, release. Um, And so to me, it looks like we're, I often see it as kind of an unweaving, but it's like unhooking. We're unanchoring her to whatever she was anchored to that has kept her down in the third dimension so that we can so that she can move into the fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh and eighth and ninth until we get back up into the 12th. <laughs> yes. And at least um, folks right now, I firmly believe that we're pretty close to being stabilized to fifth density. And from the research I've done, they said in Atlantis time, we dropped from sixth density. I thought it was fifth. At the last war, we dropped from sixth to third. So we're kind of like, 
you know, helping everyone remember. And fifth density is so much more fun and so much clearer and less <laughs> polarized and all of that. So um, that was such a key point to share because you're helping with the, the frequencies going faster and higher, which creates a new density, a new and also a term of what you were describing in some of our research is often referred to as the false matrix, right? It was like caught in the false matrix. So we're also taking down that, punching holes in it, whatever, however you want to see it. Right, and, absolutely. And, and yeah. at the same time, we're, because we're inseparable, a lot of us are getting messages to be healthier ourselves, to balance our energies out, thus the meditation you're going to guide at the end, you know, how to move the energies through in dynamic balance so that we can fully be the fullness of who we are uh, in this. So thank you for sharing that. Time well, you know, the, the record keepers really want to add something else in here, mm -hmm. which is that it's important that we realize that, um, that we've really created this. And so we can... Yes uncreate it, right? It hasn't been done to us. No one did this to us. We did it ourselves because we wanted this experience. And so we can, and we are um, undoing it, right? So if we, if we made a, a net to hook, you know, to, to drag the earth down, um, we can, you know, unanchor, clear release, break, cut open that net, right? So that's what so many of us are doing bit by bit by bit by bit by bit all over the planet. So it really is beautiful in that way. Um, and I think it's just one of the pieces that's so important for us as we go forward is um, to own these bigger truths. Yes. To move out of any old stories and places of victimhood and to say, yeah, we really are ancient, huge, wise, infinite <laughs> souls that have been mucking about for our own fun, honestly, you know, and uh -huh. it's like you know. Playing, playing with limitation, all that stuff, and that we as co-creators actually created this along with councils and everything else as a huge experiment too, which at right. first when I heard that word, it, I was uncomfortable with it. Now I'm comfortable with it because it's not like we're being experimented upon. It's like we're cr created it because different universes create different experiment, experiments right. and different realities. So I'm really glad that you brought that up and the record keepers um, shared that because we are completely getting rid of the victim perpetrator paradigm. Right. Done. No more victimization. Moving into you honoring your a creator or at least a co-creator, right? And right. so we this. Yep. Yeah. Yes. So it's very important that we step into our power. And it's also a big piece of, you know, for women, because we have felt disempowered for hundreds or thousands of years. We have been treated like we were less than or sinners or, you know, not smart enough or whatever, all, you know, depending on where you live and, and what your story is there. But um, power is actually a good thing to be empowered because you are creator beings. 
Yes. Every single one of us, we get yes. to do it in, in physical, which is very cool. So any woman who has had a child, yes. um, hopefully knows that's a, a phenomenal process of being a creator being. And then we can take that and, and make that even bigger as we create our life and we create our world and we create the fifth dimension. That's where we're going, stepping more fully into the, um, the creator beingness into our empowerment as that. And so um, it's a very, very exciting time when you think about it that way. And so kind of um, coming out from hiding, a lot of women have also felt, you know, they've had to stay small, stay quiet. All of that is the, the feminine imbalance that we've had. And so standing up and and sharing our gifts and speaking our truth. We can, of course, always do it with love and compassion and kindness and gentleness. Power never has to be aggressive or ugly or, you know, hurtful. Mm-hmm. And that's the balance. Again, when you look at power, so both women and men can step into their power and share it with, yes. with love and compassion. Is is true equals because we all are one. So yes. <laughs> not to mention a lot of us have played tons of male, female lives, you know? Right, right, so, right. I pretty much done almost half and half. So so that's why um I know that we're moving more into the feminine awakening stage, but I'm also very cautious and have the highest respect for the male. Um, and that is why. I want to emphasize that this is about integrating both, no matter what body type you're in, because many of the males have gone through all kinds of stuff, you know, just the women felt this is what I have to do to be loved and accepted. And the men have done the same thing, but in a different way, this is what I have to do to, you know, get someone, have someone and be taken care of. So it's going to be equal. There's going to be a lot of things that are going to be freed up that we spend a lot of our time with. And I am personally really excited about it. Now, one question I'd like to say, um, bring up only because I've had three clients in the last uh, week bring this subject up. So I figure um, it's probably obvious, but I want you to answer why is it important to be comfortable with the unknown, to be curious mm-hmm. and seek out the mysteries of life? Because I find people are are so programmed to be scared of the unknown. Oh, interesting. Right. So um that is honestly the space that we create in. And so it when we can allow ourselves to be in the unknown, when we can allow ourselves really energetically to be in the void, mm-hmm. so one of the, again, real gifts of accessing your own Akashic records is that it often feels that we move when we open the records. To me, I move into the void. You know, often especially um, new beginner students will be like, they'll feel like the library and the stories. But as we really deepen into the expanse of the Akash, we really move into the void. And in that space, it can be, what am I coming to create? Or, you know, often for me, it'll be like, I'll be in this just big void until someone asks a question. And then that energy will be created and brought forward. 
or remembered and brought forward, but it really is the energy of creation and to live in that space, to get comfortable with not knowing. I mean, and and I talked even a little bit about that, I think, is um, when I was going to Scotland, I kind of knew there was this balance, but I, you know, is this going to be about me doing Scotland now and France later? What am I supposed to do? What's happening? And just being okay with that, just kind of making a plan. I want to see these places. I'm being called to the standing stones. I know these are very ancient energies. And so we just kind of put one foot in front of the other, just following our heart and our soul guidance. And then kind of more in hindsight, sometimes it's like, oh, wow, isn't that interesting? I could look back at all of the energetic weaving between the divine feminine, divine masculine places and spaces in Scotland, just as I saw after going on three vacations, three trips in nine months that I had gone to three pyramids in three continents. I was like, wow, who would have thought, you know, if the record keepers had said, you're going to go do that, it would have been like, no way, I can't do that. <laughs> That's too much. <laughs> it's kind of like incarnating. <laughs> right, right. And There's so, no way I can do that. And then, you know, we just do. We're incredibly resourceful. And we're better that way oh. often. So just know that being in that kind of creative space, in that unknown, in the void, in the it just allows you. So just really let yourself be in that space of knowing you're a creator being. We all are creator beings. And just with the intention that you're creating the highest and best life and world and relationships and, you know, happiness that you can create in this world. And so just, you know, holding those intentions are very helpful when we're, you know, when we get kind of off balance in any kind of fear, like, oh, what am I supposed to do? In the higher realms or when we have the fullness of access, right, to what we are, we don't have to, quote, um, know we don't have to have even a memory in a certain way because we can access anything we need when we need it. So another way is how we frame and reframe the brain, the part that's neurotic and programmed is by saying, I know what to do. I just can't remember right now. So I will step forward and trust in the unfoldment, right? You know, again, it takes a little bit of the edge off. What do you think about that? Um, absolutely. And I think even as we go forward in this energy, I think, you know, we really do have so much knowing and wisdom and, you know, unconscious memory that when we allow ourselves to know, that we know this, that the highest and best perfect, whatever information will arise as is needed, that it really, really, really does. And, and it's just perfect, right? So we can kind of get over our like, oh my God, I can't remember. It's like, if it's yeah. important, if it's needed, it'll show up. If it's not, something else will show up and inform you. Is there anything else that you or the record keepers 
Mm-hmm. Our angelics would like to share at this time, and I thank mm-hmm. them so much. Mm, absolutely. You know, the record keepers just want to say thank you. Thank you, Marilee. Thank you, everyone who is watching us for everything you do every day, consciously and unconsciously. They want you to know that you truly are on task, on purpose, transforming the world and really anchoring in the fifth dimension. And they are grateful for us. Oh, back at you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I know they kind of, they're like, you know, you're the lucky ones. You guys are embodied. We can only do stuff through yeah, you. Oh, this, you is know? What, this is what humans don't get, that this right. is considered a fortunate experience because, right. you know, there's a lot of extreme negativity that we're ending, right? Patterns right, right. and ending. Now, I just wanted to go backwards one little spot because I have a little fun story to add to your thing. And you and I have both been to Stafa. And I'm going to put up on the video the picture of that. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a, a very um, magical. You have to take a boat out. You can explain it. And, and it's a cave. And uh, tell people a little bit about that. And then I'm going to add my story to it. Okay. Yes. So um, stuff is a small island. Literally, it's just all this black basalt outcropping. And um, you get off of the boat. And you can go kind of up the stairs to the top, which is just grass. And um, in the spring, the puffins are up there. You can go see puffins, which I miss the puffins. The puffins weren't there in August. I think they leave in July. But anyway, um, so we went along the black wall of, you know, basalt um, into the cave and um, the um the waves and the color and the sound is amazing. It is so powerful. Back probably in the 1800s, wrote a whole um, musical concerto after going to Staffa and being in that, hearing that um, sound in the waves and, and in this cave, it's just spectacular. And the, the story is, is that there were two giants, one on, um, in Ireland and one on Staffa. And there was a, a causeway between the two countries and, um, the giants went to war and they broke down the causeway. And the only things left is, is Staffa in Scotland. And there's something, I don't know what the name of it in Ireland, but it has a name. Yes. The Giant's Causeway, I think it's called. (laughs) Of course it is. But uh, (laughs) the picture's up now. uh, And so you'll be able to see the amazing stones and shapes. It's a very magical place. And I remember you told me when we were catching up uh, before the interview that you felt, what kind of energy did you feel there? Do you remember? You you know, uh, peace is, was actually what I felt. It felt very, it was interesting because here you're, you're on this little Island after this rough boat ride. And I'm standing in this, um, in this cave with this crashing water (laughs) and, it just felt so peaceful and expansive and just so beautiful. I just, I wanted to stay there, but there was like, I was kind of glued to the wall and other people wanted to come in. Yes. <laughs> and I was just like, yes. 
it was it was very wild. It was very kind of cosmic piece. Beautiful. Now, if I have it right from our memory, and I hope I have, I I, I hope I have permission to say this, and and I'm leading into my story a little bit, is when I asked you what else you felt there, I I kind of remember you saying it was masculine energy, and I felt water dragon and fire mermaid. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, well, that was interesting. The um, Stefa, definitely a lot of that, you know, masculine with the crashing waves and the black basalt, mm-hmm. um, but also up on um, the Isle of Lewis, mm-hmm. the record keepers had told me to go into the water and send energy to the water dragons up there, which is in the outer Hebrides. Um, staff are there a little bit inner Hebrides, but when I was out, that was probably about as close to, you know, Iceland as you get out there. Um, and um, so I didn't go swimming, but I put my hands in the water. <laughs> it was cold. <laughs> But yes, it was really sending a lot of that energy and light and consciousness and love to to the um, to the water dragons and the fire mermaids. I end up feeling more in um, in Hawaii. Oh, Oh, yes. The volcanoes and all of that, too. Yeah. 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 Well, just uh, one little cute story here and you can hear more about it in earlier shows. if you backtrack, uh, Captain Mark Richards, who was one of the first soldiers, he had very intimate connections and had, he and his father had a lot to do with um, the raptors mm-hmm. that look exactly like Jurassic Park worlds, by the way. Mm-hmm. Long stories about that. That's not the purpose of the show. But anyway, he had a lot to do with them, with them no longer Uh, thinking of us as enemies, no longer using us as hunting and uh, becoming friends. So one of the things about Staffa that he told me before I went is he said, I will share with you a secret, which is the raptors go there to swim when no one's around. They love that. And as you can see from the picture we showed you, there's an inlet that's just amazing. And, um, it's just a magical place. So I just wanted to add that a little bit. It's one of their hangouts at night when people are around. So, right. And um, it's a very, very, so I, it's I dragon, you know, kind of yeah. like dragon a little bit. Yeah, dragons and they're coming, they're coming back well. And, and uh, our beautiful green emerald dragon that we're riding upon, our Gaia. Um, but it's also a very, very uh, deep cave. I believe it. it Yes, goes all the way through the island. Um, so I could see where they could hang out in there. And oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, now, uh, one last question is, uh, as you're getting your galactic downloads, so we're not, you know, expanding not just Earth Akashic record readings, but galactic mm-hmm. journeying, mm-hmm. is there anything you'd like to share about that? Um, yeah so it's it's been very interesting that that a lot of the information and energy um from the records from the akashic records for humans has been pretty human for a very 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 long time while it was pulled away so it's really pretty newly back to earth for the last 40 or 50 years um 
But uh, it's interesting. I've noticed over the last few years, the more galactic information coming in and what that has included is sometimes being able to go back and help to heal some different lifetimes in these higher, you know, fifth, sixth, eighth, tenth dimensional um, lifetimes where we were maybe working on bringing the earth down and making some of these plans and doing this work. And so it's very cool to see that not only are we um, kind of working in this earth time-space continuum and, and story, but we are actually able to start to access these bigger, more galactic records of other lives or other times and places. And so that's, um, Coming in, and I know it will continue to expand, right? As is mm-hmm. usual with everything, it kind of starts to expand more and more as the whole energy and as we practice and all the above. So, yeah, it's very exciting. Thank you so much for sharing all of that and your wisdom and your travels and the importance right now of the male female balancing. And if you would like, um, I think it would be a lovely time right now to guide us. It's always important. And I and I just want to say that it's a simple process. It's a simple tool. The record keepers just explained to me. And and they um they say keep doing it. So you can do it for yourself whenever you feel maybe a little out of balance. So um everyone has a masculine channel and a feminine channel, and the way I see them is one runs down the left side of the chakras. So if you see the chakras, it's kind of big circles in your body and you've got a channel running down one side, a channel running down the other side. And basically the simple idea is we're just going to balance the left and the right channel right through each chakra. So I like to start with the sixth, which is right, the mental level. We also have the third eye in there. You have the left and the right hemisphere of the brain. So as we're balancing the left and the right channels, the masculine and feminine channels through the brain, we're also balancing the um, the hemispheres of the brain and all of that energy, right? Because we've believed for a very, very long time that we are kind of either linear or creative. We use our left brain or our right brain. But again, it is time to use them both, right? So we can be very creative and very linear. Integrating our gifts of being able to be creative and still, you know, it's like, um, be linear enough that I can organize, you know, my life, my business, my family, my travels. I do all of my travel work and and it's a lot of work. It's a lot of kind of linear research and study and, you know, and that gift, which is also creative. So it's very much about balancing everything so that you can be it all, right? So just... Right. I want to be it all. Um, now, um, before you start, just yep. for if there's any newbie newbies, just briefly describe what chakras are when you use that term. So they'll know. Oh, right. Okay. Most people no will know, but just. Right. Energy centers in your body are called chakras. Um, and we have the sixth one is in the forehead. 
And that's kind of the mental level. The fifth chakra is in the throat. This is also very much about speaking our truth and communication. The fourth chakra is in your heart, is your heart center in the in your chest. The third chakra is the solar plexus. Um, is also very much about uh, creative energy and creating the life that your soul desires. So third chakra is very powerful about around creating and out picturing in the world. Um, Second chakra, very much around emotions and also sexuality. Um, And then first chakra, the root chakra is um, a little bit more about survival, but also about, um, uh, you know, creating. So, you know, they all hold quite a bit of different energy, but the root chakra is also a great place for for us to ground from, to do a lot of healing around, because often that's kind of our denser energy. But that's, if you imagine, um, your first chakra is about survival. It's about um, food, clothing, shelter. And the third chakra is about how that out pictures in the world. So the chakra systems are, um, you know, complicated and multi-layered and every chakra actually has 12 layers within it. So we're just kind of going to balance the masculine energy with the feminine energy through the chakra. So we're starting to balance the energy in the chakra. So in our brain, we'll just start so we can sit back and close your eyes just kind of picture these two channels of energy running down your body and you have kind of a circle right there in your forehead, a sixth chakra. We're going to run a gold liquid light infinity symbol right from the right to the left and the left to the right through your sixth chakra, balancing the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere, just balancing our brains out so we really can do it all, be creative, be linear, be organized, be expansive, be it all. So balancing that energy. And then we'll drop down to the throat chakra. And again, a liquid golden infinity symbol goes from the right to the left and back and forth and back and forth through the communication center. So fifth chakra, very much about communicating, being able to speak your truth, to share your light and your wisdom with ease, to kind of heal much of our fear of being seen and speaking up. Um, That's been very, uh, much about the imbalance between masculine and feminine. So as we balance them right through the throat, that helps to bring that all back into alignment and and balance. And then down to our heart center, another gold liquid light infinity symbol, left to right, right to left, balancing our heart, our love, our ability to be love, share love, receive love, right? Sometimes the Imbalance in the feminine is to not receive the love, only to feel that we're supposed to give it. And we are also here to receive it. And balancing all of that and uh, helping the divine masculine to open, to feel the love, the emotions, the tenderness, the compassion, all of that is 
very heart-centered um, energy of balance of masculine and feminine. And then we drop down to the third chakra, the solar plexus, again, as we're about creating the life our heart and soul desires by being able to bring that creative energy out into the world. So an imbalance in the feminine might be um, creative energy, but afraid to create in the world, uh, fear of being seen, fear of stepping out and doing that work, which is, you know, bringing your light, bringing your business, bringing um, whatever that might be out into the world and balancing that with the male where the male has felt that they have to have to work so hard just to survive, to be loved. So helping the male to be um, more creative, bringing those juices to the surface. So balancing divine feminine, divine masculine in the third chakra. And then we drop down to the second. And again, just balancing left to right, right to left, balancing the emotions, um, the fear of being emotional with some of the energy of over-emotion, bringing that into balance right now. And down into the first. So really balancing the beautiful energies of creating a fifth dimensional world, creating the new earth, bringing our up-leveling um, home and food and shelter and for the whole planet, helping Gaia, saving, right? Helping to heal our dear mother earth and balancing our ability to feed everyone and to share um, and make enough for everyone on the planet. So balancing that first chakra energy, the doing and the sometimes immobility that comes with the uh, imbalance of feminine. Ah, so balancing all of that out through the body. And just running all that energy, those kind of balanced channels all the way down through the body, down through the legs. Those channels continue down the legs. And let's just let them extend as our root system down into Gaia. Really grounding and anchoring this balanced divine feminine, divine masculine energy for ourselves, anchoring it into the earth and bringing that energy, that beautiful light out to people and kind of through that connection through Gaia through the earth hmm. beautiful hmm. all right now it's just like to come back up to the sacred heart center feel that love that beautiful balanced energy in our heart Let's do a quick third chakra, fourth chakra. I do a vertical figure eight from the heart to the third is that's really about creating the life that your heart and your soul desire. So really balancing the 
third and the fourth chakra together to create and manifest that highest and best fifth dimensional new earth for ourselves. Beautiful. And when you're ready, you're just coming back into your body, <laughs> opening your eyes. Yeah, lovely. It's a light, fun one. Mm, yes. <laughs> yeah. And powerful and important. I, I often suggest that people try doing that on a weekly basis. I think it's really nice to um, find some helpful um tools like that you could do that in 10 minutes easily and you know say okay i'm gonna rebalance you know maybe on a sunday evening before i go off to work tomorrow and it helps to balance your energy within of course but then we start to balance it without we balance it with the people in our world and so it's very important when you're balanced and you are showing up um, as balanced energy, uh, people match us. It's a, a fascinating thing about energy is that we want to match other people that we're around. And so if we have high vibrational um, balance, masculine, feminine energy of love and light and compassion, and everyone around us is going to start to match that and that is supporting all of them and then what we often will notice is that the people who can't match us or don't want to match us they sometimes disappear from our life and and that's okay too because we're doing everything we can to continue to raise the vibration and not get um not let people pull us back down so raising the energy of balance and light beautifully said not judging, not not polarizing anyone else, just uh, allowing their free will, and yet for us staying on course. Yes. Yeah. And, and thank you so much. That was really fun for me. <laughs> I hope it was for, for others. And it's a great tool. And I can see you can do it pretty quick, too. Which yep. is So, um, Lisa... I think you should share with people, if I remember right, your brand new book that's coming out fall is Your Soul Has a Plan Awaken to Your Life Purpose. That is right, right? Share with them your contact information. I would love to. So um, my website is akashicknowing.com and you will find my classes, my consultations, my three books. You will find everything right there actually on the homepage. I just recently had my website redone. So it's easy to find everything. You'll see the books with links on them and consultations. If you want to have an Akashic reading and healing session with me and the next upcoming classes that I'm teaching. So everything is at AkashicKnowing.com. You want to spell that? Just Absolutely. It's A-K-A. S-H-I-C, Akashic, knowing, K-N-O-W-I-N-G.com. So AkashicKnowing.com. Thank you so much, Lisa, for your 
the word that comes to me is delightful dedication. <laughs> Just delightful. <laughs> to assist all of us and the planet as well. For we all know we are truly interdependent and we are dedicating ourselves and rededicating ourselves daily, no matter what is going on in our life, to ensure that we as humanity and the planet both stabilize in fifth density and higher. And it will do so. And so, folks, thank you so much. And all these shows are I uh, put on podcasts, audio podcasts. And uh, like and subscribe if you'd like. And look Lisa up because I had a uh, session with her and it was delightful (laughs) (laughs) and informative. So I hope you enjoyed this. And as we continue to explore upwards and onwards. Thank you so much. Thank you, Marilee. Okay. Bye-bye, love.